Hello and welcome to PostgreSQL, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hi Michael, uh, today we are going to talk to monitoring, and I think uh, we are touching very, very wide, wide areas uh, of Postgres, and probably we will revisit each one of them, trying to go in some uh, specific sub areas right but every project every project should have it well right? do you mean so let's check that first so we're naturally for large enterprises we we definitely want monitoring we definitely want database specific things being monitored sometimes couple of couple of tools so like sometimes i, I saw big projects using three monitoring and all three tools were monitoring postgres none of them were perfect to be enough alone right so we needed to combine parts from three places it's it happens i think but by the way it's not a problem if you have a couple of tools used if you know that overhead is low right yeah absolutely so we are talking about postgres monitoring this is a huge topic and my main statement is there is no good product developed yet no perfect product maybe or no good product if even okay okay good is maybe to, okay no great products i don't see great products because i understand what should be present in any postgres monitoring and it's it's not my point of view we a couple of years ago we started some community work so we started to discuss various tools we, we had several sessions in russian community we had several sessions reviewing various tools both open source and commercial and then we create a document uh, called monitoring uh, checklist, Postgres monitoring checklist, uh, co uh, collecting ideas what should be present in monitoring uh, and uh, what should be must have or nice to have and so on. And uh, then some people outside of Russian community joined as well. And, and eventually we, I think we, we've got very good understanding what should be present like 100 percent if you want your monitoring to be very useful and i don't see any product commercial or open source or maybe even in-house sometimes in-house products uh, i see very good ones but none of them meet these criteria. even 80 percent they usually it's below 50. so yeah so we're talking about things that you consider probably almost a must-have for most projects that people care about the uptime of making sure they have each of those covered in is it monitoring monitoring and alerts How, like do you count that as the same thing so well alerts it's like a, a slightly different topic i'm talking about troubleshooting sessions when we open monitoring and try to understand what's happening what's wrong because we have some complaints from users or from our co-workers and we something wrong with Postgres happening and we need to understand what exactly is wrong. And uh, I see two big areas which must present in any monitoring. First area is, of course, we should have uh, physical uh, metrics like CPU, memory, disk IO, network. It should be covered and almost always it's, it's covered. And it's like it's separate. But Postgres specifics, and we, here we can recall uh, Alexey Lisovsky's pgstats.dev, uh, this interactive picture which shows you architecture of Postgres and what system views and extensions uh, are or tools are responsible for monitoring particular part of uh, Postgres architecture. So it's a great tool. We will provide link in the description, I'm sure. So this should be present in monitoring. And this first part I call dashboard number one. The goal of dashboard 
support number one is like you have like 30 or ma maximum 60 seconds and you need to perform very wide and very shallow overview of all Postgres components, all Postgres uh, areas and understand which area looks not well. So we need to go deeper using other dashboards probably, or maybe manually looking at Postgres and so on. And second component is, is query monitoring. Query monitoring, it's like not a king, it's a queen of, of uh, observability, right? Uh, it should be present always. It's, it's a whole different topic. It should be present in any monitoring. And again, I don't see all, like some, some systems improving. For example, Datadog currently is very well improving in this area particularly. And by the way, they do it for all databases, not only for Postgres. I just see how well they are compared to two years ago. But they have big mistakes as well. Like not mistakes, but disadvantages, like missing parts, which don't allow me to work with it. But probably we should postpone a discussion about query analysis. It's like maybe different talk. But let's focus on this first, like wide and shallow dashboard. Like I want everything quickly help of each component. So the use case is my page has just gone off or I've got a notification or, or a user's mentioned something that doesn't sound good. And I want to look at something and see where is the problem? Like what, where do I even start? Right. So either some people say there are errors related to Postgres or some performance degradation. And we want like to have 10 or like dozen of like 12 metrics present on single dashboard so we quickly understand are we okay compared to like one hour ago or one day ago or one week ago or we are not okay in particular areas so let's dive deeper so let's probably quickly have some overview of these metrics because i have a list and i also we can attach this list to our episode right yep so what's the top of your list? At the top of the list is two major things which represent behavior of any multi-user system. Throughput and latency. Not only multi-user, but where network is also involved. So throughput and latency. Throughput, uh, in, if we talk about databases, Postgres particularly, can be measured in several ways, but two ways are most interesting to us. It's TPS and QPS, transactions per second and queries per second. And unfortunately, Postgres doesn't allow you to measure the second one really well. TPS are present in PG star database or PG database. I always mix it. Exact commit and exact rollback. We observe these two now. Numbers and some of how fast it's increasing, this is our TPS. Or decreasing, right? If it's if there's some problems where it could it cannot decrease. It's accumulative. It's just a counter of committed transactions and rolled back transactions. Sorry, I thought you were talking about TPS. So, right. What can decrease if we divide it by the duration of... Like, we need two snapshots, as always, right? And we need to understand how many seconds between them, so we divide. And, of course, this, like, speed can go up and down. TPS can go up and down. But QPS, unfortunately, Postgres system views don't, don't provide it. And the uh, usual trick is to use PGSA statements, but it's not exact number, unfortunately. Because PGSA statements, as I remember, dot .max... Uh, PGSA statements.max parameter by default is 5,000, if I'm not mistaken. It can be tuned to 10,000 or 
100. It means that we don't register all queries. So we probably see only the tip of the iceberg. And QPS can be wrong if we use this approach. If we use calls metric from PGSA statements. When I have doubts, I usually, usually like in most of the cases, we have PG Bouncer. So I check PG Bouncer logs and it, it reports QPS, like fair number of QPS. But this is like maybe already too deep about it. Yeah, let's focus on the things we can, uh, can measure in Postgres. Right, this, this is throughput. Latency, it's query duration. Again, usually it's measured from PGSA statements, timing. And we like why it's important? Because we, we need to understand. For example, if QPS and TPS dropped significantly, maybe it's just a problem with application. Errors on application caused uh, like our load dropped. Maybe it's a problem related to like a CPU 100%, all CPUs are 100%, we have saturation or disk saturation on Postgres. That's why we process fewer TPS. And latency, of course, very important. And I see in many cases we don't have it in monitoring. These two metrics are like, it's our general health of our database. Should be always like, we have problem, let's check TPS, QPS and latency, average duration of queries. So next, very, 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 very important. And I don't also see like more, more than 50 systems are not good with, with this. It's connection monitoring. My ideal is just one single stacked graph of connections, active, idle transaction, idle, fourth, I don't remember. So, but th these three already tell them, tell everything, right? So active, we process something. If active goes above number of CPU, it's already a bad sign. So if you have uh, 12 cores and we see active 20, well, probably already too much work to do for this server and probably we have already huge degradation in performance. It's not always so, but in many cases so. Idols and idle, idle connections, idle transaction connections, also very important, especially before Postgres 13 or 14 where optimization I think 14 14 right right so I saw sometimes people say okay we have a couple of thousand more idle connections don't worry they are idle but you know overhead is big and I think Andres Freud had a very good couple of posts also we should provide links right explaining overhead I think he did a lot of the work in 14, I think it was Optimi optimizing. It, it was related not to memory consumption, as I remember, but uh, how work with snapshots is organized. Usually people think a couple of thousand connections give us a lot of memory overhead. No, it's more about how work with snapshots is organized. But what I like about stack graphs is that we can quickly understand the total as well, right? And uh, sometimes people split to multiple charts, multiple graphs, it's also fine, but uh, I like to see connection and overview in one place. So, and, and of course, I don't, I don't in transaction sessions or connections, connection sessions is the same, basically. They are very dangerous sometimes because if application started transaction and went to talk to some external API, for example, or to do some other work, it's, it can be very dangerous. So we should also understand, like we should have some threshold and not, not, not allow system to go above it. So yeah, so at this point, I guess we're talking about long transactions. No. Well, sometimes these things correlate, but not always. Because we can have, for example, at each moment we have 200 idle in transaction sessions, right? But duration of each transaction is less than one second. It might happen. Very brief transactions, but they do something and keep connections idle. 
It's also possible. But next item is long transactions, actually. And this is actually a big topic as well. Because usually long transactions have two dangers. One danger is to lock something and block others. It's one point. Another point is uh, disturb uh, auto-locking work. But in the latter, we should talk about not long transactions, but about XMIN horizon. It should be different. And I didn't see it never. Like, no monitoring distinguishes these two things yet. Of course, I d didn't see all existing systems, of course. But over the last couple of years, observing various systems, like dozens of them. Should we talk about that then straight away? So the X XMIN horizon being to avoid transaction ID wraparound, which is, you know, there've been some famous blog posts that I can include on that. Right. Transaction ID wraparound is one danger from XMIN horizon being stuck in the in very like past, but also vacu accumulating a lot of dead tuples and then it converts to bloat, also a problem. Right? See previous episode. Right, right, exactly. We discussed it already. But again, like simple graph, what is the maximum age of the longest transaction right now, excluding vacuum, because actually regular vacuum, it's by the way, it's tricky. A regular vacuum doesn't hold XMIN horizon. It doesn't block anyone, except with analyze, it can hold XMIN horizon. And if the vacuum is working to prevent transaction idea around, it can block others. So <laughs> in each area, there are interesting ifs, right? If, then, if, then. So it's quite difficult to build ideal monitoring, of course. But anyway, like I want to have a graph. Do we understand the maximum age of transaction right now? Usually people say, I don't know. What kind of number are you worried about there? Right, right. In all TP systems, and by the way, we forgot to mention that we again discuss all TP systems, monitoring for them, right? Because for analytical systems, things are different. For all TP, I would like to have everything below, ideally under one second. Again, it's related to human perception, which is like we can distinguish 200 milliseconds roughly. So one second feels slow. But of course, sometimes we need slightly longer transactions a few seconds but transaction one minute if it can block someone else it's already a problem we should split it to batches yeah but uh, we, we discussed it briefly last time if you create an index uh, unfortunately you hold the XMIN horizon and of course if your table is big you need to spend like sometimes an hour or maybe even more to build an index and that's why partitioning is needed as, yeah. again to have this time say so we're about halfway through our, nearly halfway through our uh, dashboard. Good. So next thing is um, the ratio of errors. So it can measure, we, we already discussed this exact from PGStar database, exact commit, exact rollback, how many transactions are committed, how many transactions are canceled. And uh, we can have a ratio to understand the percentage of successful transactions. And it's interesting, sometimes I see like system produces like only 50% or even fewer successful transactions. But developers say this is intentional. This is by design. And it triggers interesting questions. What uh, negative consequences can be if application uses rollback too often? It's like separate topic. But 
the main reason you want this ratio is to see if it changes from your baseline. So if you've got normally a very high ratio, you just want to tell if right, it's... 99% and suddenly we have 70%. Obviously, yeah. it means we have a spike of errors. So we need to go to logs probably and understand which errors. Or if you use extension called log errors, you can have counters right inside database. So you can select aggregated by error type. So next thing is... Uh, Transaction ID wrap around uh, a separate metric. Uh, here, people always, like, okay, not always, in 90% of cases, people forget about multi exact ID wrap around. They just don't check it. Like, it's more exotic. Like, transaction ID wrap around is exotic. But when it happens, it's a big disaster. But multi exact ID wrap around, it's even more, it's even like very, very rare, very unusual. Is this the thing that you mentioned in the GitLab blog post about subtransactions? Uh, briefly. Yeah. Yes, br briefly. There is connection to it. Yes, because if we use for, uh, select for share and sometimes select for update, we might have quickly increasing uh, multi-exact IDs and uh, risks of... Uh, well, if we use foreign keys, we just use foreign keys, we have multi-exact IDs. That's it. Of course. So are we talking about two graphs here then? One for like, what do we actually need for our dashboard? It can be one, but just the idea is we, we should not forget about this second ID. And it also can be wrapped around. It has the same risk. So we should monitor both risks and uh, alert when it's already above threshold and so on. Okay, then the health of replication. Again, like for this dashboard, we need only brief analysis. Like, do we have at least one standby which is lagging, physical or logical? We, we should define our thresholds and observe. That's it. Like, if we see a spike or a lag, it's also a problem. Uh, you can get out of disk space event or something. Not good. Then a few things only left. By the way, I realized we in this list, we will provide this list, as I've said, we don't have vacuum behavior, auto vacuum behavior, and we don't have checkpointer and BG writer behavior. We have it uh, in our systems, we have it on dashboard two, but I think we probably should move it to dashboard one as well, because these two big components of Postgres, vacuuming and checkpointing, right? Yeah. So we should have it here. Before you move on this one, I see you also had unused replication slots, which I thought was really interesting. I've heard of some issues where, like, if, if you've got a, a static number of those, if, if it decreases, if if something ends up using one of those replication slots that you weren't expecting, that's that could be a sign of a problem as well, right? The problem is that, like, right, so we don't have lag uh, per se here, but uh, if slot is unused, it's accumulating walls, so it's easy to be out of disk space soon so unused uh, slots are dangerous definitely but it can be everything can be here combined on one or couple of graphs so but as i've said we want to keep this dashboard quite small so we can quickly overview everything and then like after replication i'd like to talk about legs related to archiving very often people don't have it they don't monitor the leg like how many walls are not yet archived why is this important if you try to stop postgres restart or just stop and it has a lot of unarchived walls. You know, like when we shut down Postgres, there is so-called implicit shutdown checkpoint. And the same way Postgres tries to archive them all. So it runs archive command of all pending walls and can take hours. If we accumulated thousands of walls, it happens. You wait. <laughs> well, it's not just if you try, if you want to 
upgrade or something it could also be if there's a crash right it's how how long is it going to take you to recover well recovery is different if it crashed it will recover quite soon it's just replay redo what's needed and that's it i'm talking about like intentional restart or or shutdown for example if uh, patroni wants to perform switchover or failover due to some reasons it tries to shut down the primary until some version not long ago because i told kukushkin about it and it was a surprise because we had it on production in some system so patroni failed to perform failover because a lot of walls were were pending to be archived and uh, kukushkin fixed it in in recent versions of patroni upgrade upgrade (laughs) it's quite it's quite new thing uh, quite new bug fix well it's not bug fix it's like an improvement patroni doesn't wait and like tries to perform failover there is a trade-off because what what to do with these walls right i don't remember details there because if we don't archive walls it disturbs our dr strategy disaster recovery strategy right we need to keep backups in good shape so this is interesting question as well but anyway monitoring should have this number of pending walls or uh, also maybe uh, the rate of archiving how, how like how many walls we archive per second for example it's, it's very very interesting metric as well to understand like how you've got that next on the list r- ah okay yeah okay wall generation rates uh, and uh, yeah as i recently learned if you have few walls per second probably you won't be able to use a logical replication because a wall sender will will be will saturate single cpu core and finally locks and deadlocks uh, well maybe it sh- they should not go together because like there's different things right but and locks of course we like sometimes people draw both uh, exclusive and share locks there are many kinds of locks here we talk about like heavy locks not lightweight locks or latches and so heavy locks so we're locking rows and locking tables and here sometimes people try to draw everything but we should focus on uh, maybe only on exclusive locks which can be reason for blocking others first reason well it's also like there are many problems there this this chart alone can be difficult to implement properly but uh, anyway we, sh- we want to have something I, I just saw sometimes the application engineers they say oh we had a spike of locks you look at it oh you have sp- had spike of share locks it's okay because you had some deployment it's normal it's not a problem so this chart is also like interesting what, what should be there and deadlocks of course we want to understand how many deadlocks so many other things are missing here, but I'm I'm not a big fan of combining physical and this this logical. Like for example, in Datadog, if you check database monitoring, you will see CPU combined with TPS. It's a mix of everything. It's not right, not right. Host stats I would like to see separately from database stats. What do you think? Interesting. Well. I think in the early days, I've seen a lot of teams get really far looking at application stats and then adding some database things into it. They don't have some of these like real scaling issues. I guess uh, I think a lot of people implement monitoring after a big issue, after a big outage. They do. They think, oh, maybe we do need it now. So probably people put this in in general a little bit too late. But yeah, I can see I can see an argument for keeping it where the application monitoring is, especially from the 
the query performance point of view, at least especially from the performance monitoring, maybe not so much from the troubleshooting we've had an outage perspective. Right. Well, well again, we just didn't discuss here uh, query analysis. Yeah. Uh, it's another half an hour at least. It's like it's very interesting and very deep topic. But I also like forgot to mention that uh, we have we took PG Watch too from Cybertech, and uh, I remember when we first uh, reviewed it, it didn't feel well. Like strange dashboards to us. Like very like like you explain. Oh, why why not to add this? Why not to add that? But the fact that it's open source, good components like Grafana and so on. Like it can be it can use Postgres and Timescale. So we. Vitaly uh, from my team implemented the initially the set of dashboards following this philosophy. So dashboard number one is for quick and very shallow troubleshooting, understanding which areas need further analysis. Dashboard number two, more interesting things for DBA. Dashboard number three is query analysis. And it's available, so it's open source available. And uh, recently another contributor helped us to support timescale version so postgres and timescale can be used as storage and i like to like i encourage everyone to consider it as a second secondary monitoring probably you already have something like datadoc right which is like usually or or anything else which usually like or apm like uh, organization already adopted some tool for everything not for databases not for postgres and of course it's worth having it everywhere because it's like unified solution but it's missing a lot of things. And I hope uh, I convinced uh, our listeners today that there are many things that should be present there. Uh, so PG Watch 2 can be added like a secondary monitoring, very gentle, without big observer effect. And uh, it can provide a lot of insights for database experts and actually non, not only experts. This TPS, QPS plus latency, it's this throughput plus latency it's it's alone already something very good which many many systems missing yeah absolutely so yeah so i guess if you don't have some of these things maybe look into how how much work it would be to add them and it hopefully it would save you or make it a lot easier next time you have a big issue to spot what's going wrong right and if you develop uh, your tool in, in in-house or you, you are a developer of monitoring this uh, list it's a product of community work like several months of work we discussed. I discussed it on Twitter during our sessions in Russian community and so on. This list was like, I think it's very, very useful for like checklist for everyone who wants to develop great Postgres monitoring. So please use it as a reference, what should be added. Awesome. I think it's... I think it will be useful, right? Probably one day we will discuss query monitoring as well. Yeah, I have something to say about it too. Le- right. Definitely, part two coming. Brilliant. Well, thanks everyone for joining us again. I really appreciate it. Let us know if there's anything else you want to make sure we covered or anything you think we missed. It'd be very helpful. And yeah, check out the show notes for. Well, I'll, I'll include links to all the tools we mentioned or various things as well, including this list. Yeah, and thank you again for feedback. Feedback is a very important thing to have, Twitter and uh, other places. And please subscribe, like, and share, share, share everywhere in in your social networks and groups where you discuss uh, engineering and databases and so on.
Wonderful. Well, thank you, Nikolai. Okay. Good to see you and uh, speak to you next week. Thank you, Michael. Till next time. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye now.